With major movements among the workforce like the great resignation and now the little understood but greatly feared notion of quiet quitting, it's never been more important to ensure you're retaining your best talent and keeping them engaged. My guest today started his company with the goal of making it a great place to work. Luckily, Wayne Stanley's title-centric marketing agency, Bow Digital, has done just that, landing at number 12 among Indiana's best places to work this year. Wayne joins me today to talk about how you can identify your top talent and build a culture that not only retains, but engages them. I'm Lindsay Gordon, and this is Title Talks. Thanks so much for joining me. Hi, Lindsay. It's great to be here. How you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Um, exciting to kind of look uh, into fall coming and summer being over. We're excited for this heat to eventually die down. We're <laughs> you're know, in Indiana, right? Yep, yep. Based in Indiana, where we have a, a very hot and humid summer as well. It's not quite as bad as. Florida or anything, but it's, we're ready for fall here too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I bet your team, um, uh, at Bo digital, you guys are completely remote. Is that right? Yeah. We, from the outset of the company in 2017, I knew we would be a fully remote company. And so now we've got 20 full-time staff that are spread mostly throughout Indiana, but then we've got a couple in different States as well. So um, I'm going to, if people don't know you, I'm going to give you an opportunity to just kind of introduce yourself, talk a little bit about um, who you are, and then also tell us a little bit about Bow Digital. Sure. Um, well, I I started Bow Digital in 2017 after working for almost six years at the American Land Title Association. Um, when I was there, I, I started, I was sort of like Lucy from the Peanuts. I was doing social media and at every Alta event, I would sit there at a social media help desk and literally helped title agents sign up for things like Twitter and Instagram, um, where the industry even, uh, five years ago was like, I, or, you know, all 10 years ago now is when I started at Alta and, you know, people would say, I don't know why I should be doing this or if I should be doing this. And so I did a lot there and then. That transitioned into some help with the Title Action Network, um, helped grow that from 500 members to about 17,000 members across the country, um, and then ultimately worked on the Homeowner Outreach Program. And so between the Title Action Network and HOP, that's where a lot of folks in the industry came to know emails from me and that sort of thing. Um, prior to working for Alta, I worked on Capitol Hill for six years. Uh, for Senator Richard Luger from Indiana. I was his communications director, and that was a really exciting, unique uh, opportunity, and that's how I met Michelle Corsmo, the then CEO of Alta, and got into this crazy industry. So fast forward 10 years later, um, Bow Digital is a, a marketing agency that helps title companies, real estate attorneys, underwriters, and other vendors in this space with their marketing, whether that's traditional, with design and logos and handouts and flyers and things like that, or uh, everything on the digital side with websites, uh, podcasts like this, blogs, marketing emails, video, social media, all that kind of stuff. That's awesome. And so um, we were met, uh, touching on it earlier, but you, you kind of built your team 
you know, intentionally, right? And and the way that you run your company. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I uh, one of the best pieces of advice I got when I started the company was that often people wait too long to hire and they don't really think strategically about those that they're trying to hire, especially when you're in a high growth mode, um, which I, we're not in that right now as an industry, but you know, the last few years we definitely have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, you know, I, I knew that I wanted to create a place for people to work that they actually enjoyed coming to. And I wanted it to have sort of supreme flexibility because I had seen that in my particular position at Alta. I was given a lot of flexibility and um, it really kind of shaped my mindset on what I wanted to do in my own company. And I um, don't really believe in work-life balance. I don't think anything's ever balanced. I think that um, (laughs) it's better. I try to think about it and I talk to our team about work-life integration uh, because you need you need work to live, you know, people need money to live. And that's at the end of the day, as much as you may love your job and it may be altruistic and all this stuff in what you're doing, it's it's about the money for a lot of folks. And it's about, you know, creating a life for you outside of the workplace. And um, the way that we work and live now, there's just, it's a mess. It's all tangled together. And so um, I want that to be as simple and non, you know, uncomplicated as possible. And uh, so that's what we've tried to do. And so when we hire, we really talk a lot about the remote as- the remote work aspect of uh, working for Bo Digital and what we require of our team to make sure that people still feel like they have a friend on the team, you know, someone that, you know, if you were in a traditional office, they could run around the corner and vent about a call they just had or uh, celebrate a victory or uh, cry over something sad that happened in their personal life. I mean, all the things that make us human and the, you know, uh, proverbial water cooler moments in a traditional office, we really try to make sure that people have a space for that, even though we're completely remote and it's not easy, but we put a lot of time and thought into making that an opportunity for everyone on our team. Yeah, absolutely. You um, alluded to it earlier, obviously, you know, the last two years have been kind of insane, hyper growth mode, everyone can barely, like could barely stop, you know, to breathe, they were hiring to um, keep up with their order volume. And now we're seeing, you know, this, like, huge slowdown, a big break, really, um, to orders and, you know, it's being called a market correction, um, you know, kind of returning to a more normalized market. Um, and I think it's taken a lot of people by surprise how quickly it has happened. But, you know, if you're thinking about your team, you're thinking about your people, we, we had this conversation over the webinar we had about retaining and repurposing talent. Um, you know, it, it is important, you know, whether you're obviously looking at your business and whether or not you can, you know, keep staff on and if you have to let them go, you know, when you're looking at your pool of talent, like how do you identify the individuals that you really need to be keeping around? Because this isn't going to last forever, right? That's the, that's everybody's plan is that this isn't a long-term mm-hmm. thing. Um, I think that as people are, are making these decisions, they've got to think about the long term. You know, uh, I think a, a big piece that people need to remember is that there are people in your company that have never experienced 
a downturn. Everybody says, this is part of it. We go through these waves. There are a lot of people that maybe weren't in management positions in the last downturn. The last downturn was before I even got into this industry. I mean, when I came in in 2012, we people were still just crawling out of what happened in 07 and 08. And so, and there was a lot of PTSD from that. I think people have that right now. It's very different. You know, I go to all these state land title associations and national meetings with October Research and Alta and all this stuff. And everybody has something different to say, which makes all of these decisions even harder. And so I think when you're thinking about who to keep and all of that, you have to think about your your A team, your star players, your your folks that are uh, triple, quadruple, quintuple threats, you know, whatever that may be. Uh, for you, you've got to really think about who's going to serve you the best long term. Um, and you've got to think about your culture and where you want things to go. If you're going to use this as a time to to retool, you know, if, if anybody ever follows professional sports teams, there's often the rebuilding year. And I think that's what a lot of people are looking at this mm-hmm. as. But it's, it's a good time to, you know, they really inflated staff over the last few years. And they made some hiring decisions that they probably wouldn't have made in a normal market. And so they're trying to correct course on some of that. And so I think that you really need to think about long-term as you know that you're gonna add more technology, remote work isn't going anywhere, the, the flexibility and, and folks wanting options and their employment benefits and all of that, if none of that's going to change, um, it's just gonna evolve as we keep going what do you want your company to look like and who do you want to be there with you? And those are the kinds of decisions you're going to have to make as you move forward in all this. What are some of those trademarks when you are looking for that, that A team? Like who, who do I need? How do I, how do I keep those individuals around? You know, how do you identify who those rock stars are? That's a great question because I think a lot of people think of rock star with senior level management or, um, you know, for a lot of title agents that are small to mid-sized, that might be the closer that has the biggest book of business, you know, that kind of thing. Everybody operates a little differently on how the, the closers and the escrow officers and that sort of thing work. But um, I don't think it's that necessary. I don't think you can tie it to that because I have heard and I, I continue to hear all the time that, you know, a, a closer or a certain escrow officer may have a ton of business that will follow them wherever they go. And so we've got to keep them happy. Um, and... That may be the case, but they may be a nightmare to work with. And if they're not willing to help with everything else, you know, right now we're kind of in an all hands on deck state. And if you've got folks that aren't willing to be on deck, that aren't willing to be all hands, um, then that's an issue for you. Uh, so that's one thing I look at, who's willing to help with all of the things that aren't in their actual job description. Um, and then aside from that, you've got to look at, like I, I joked about just a second ago with triple and quadruple threats, you've got to find the people that have the most variety of talent on your bench. And this goes back to the need to cross train and all of that on your teams that, especially in the last two and a half years, we have not done a good job of that. We have said, this is your job. We need you to sit at this desk for eight to 10 to 12 to 14 hours a day and just handle the workload. So we haven't done a good job of that, but we need to think about who has, even if they don't have the skills or the training right now, who has the ability to really be a multifaceted team player for us moving forward. Yeah, and I think we'll get to um, that the aspect of repurposing or reallocating and cross-training, but really quickly, I wanted to talk about, I think where you excel a lot, you know, and as a business owner um, is, is retention efforts and like some of those things that really make an impact. Like if, if you are trying to keep around those people that 
maybe they recognized that they did really well during like the super busy time. They, they, maybe they're looking and thinking like, oh, the industry is turning. Do I find another opportunity somewhere? Like, how do you keep those individuals around that, that you really have come to identify as, as your star players? That's a great question because (laughs) we, um, I go to all these internship events at uh, universities throughout Indiana. We're very lucky that we've got a lot of really great universities here from IU to Notre Dame to Butler. I mean, we've got great stuff. And I sit on these panels with students that are in school now that are making decisions about their careers and, and what job offers they're taking. And they bring up benefits all the time. Um, and what they want are not traditional benefits. They are not worried necessarily about your healthcare package and your 401k plan and your vacation time. Um, they're worried about other things. And so what I've kind of dubbed on our team is sort of the intangible benefits or um, things that, you know, just are unique to the person. I know that's easier for us, 20 full-time versus some of you that are listening that probably have uh, several hundred staff. It does get harder, but there are ways to do it. And so, you know, the small things sometimes mean the most to people. So, you know, when our team asked, we asked our team, what's one thing we can do to help you out right now? Like if we could do one thing and, and budget was no option, how could we help? And they really surprised me. I expected people to say, you know, more staff, I need an assistant, or I, you know, I need this expensive tool or technology or something. And most people said, it'd be great if I just had more time. If we could figure out how to give me more time to get the work done, that would be wonderful. Um, And so we dubbed them, we gave them a day, two days a month, actually, where there are no internal or external meetings. They are able to just get eight hours straight of work that can happen. We call them GSD days, which stands for get stuff done. Uh, The stuff might stand for something else, depending on your vocabulary, but I won't say that on this podcast. Um, And so that's one small thing we did. Another thing, you know, we we found that a lot of them listen to Spotify all day long. And so one, one really small thing was we said, look, we'll pay for your premium Spotify account so you don't have to listen to commercials anymore. And you would have thought that between those two things, we gave them five-figure cash bonuses. I mean, people just lost their minds for it. And sometimes when you're thinking about retention, the small stuff matters. They don't want um, something really crazy. They don't want something out of this world. The bonuses and raises aren't always the answer. I know I said at the very beginning of this, people, you know, the money matters and it does. But when you're thinking about retention, it may be something really small that's a headache in their life. You may find out that there's a half an hour of the morning where someone is has to get their kid to school, but they're also supposed to be at work. And just by delaying their official start time at the company can make a huge difference in their life that all of a sudden, like I said, integrates work and life way better. It's still not balanced. They're going to have to figure it out. They're probably going to have to work later or whatever that may be, but it's integrated in a totally different way. And then those kind of retention efforts I've found work the most. Yeah, it sounds like you... Obviously, it seems simple, but it's like asking what matters to people or even listening and paying attention to the sort of things that matter to them, obviously are go are going to go a lot a long way. I think individuals want to be felt like they're they're heard and felt like when they do bring things up, you know, I mean, obviously asking for more time to get things done is like one of the 
best things you can imagine your your team would be asking for, right? <laughs> right, exactly. And I, I think the listening is, is hard for a lot of organizations and a lot of organizations think they're listening, but they're really not. And a good example of this is every time in our, in our weekly staff meeting, everybody, a different person hosts it each week and they can ask whatever question they want of the team. And it's turned into this thing that everybody loves. And I always try to take notes. And so this week's, for example, was what's you know your favorite thing on your bucket list. And I took notes so that I could remember that if someone involves travel on their bucket list, that maybe the next time I'm considering a bonus, I can specifically give them something for an Airbnb or for an Uber or for an air for a flight or whatever that may be. Um, earlier last uh, earlier this year we did a, the question was, you know, the, the band you would most like to see in concert. And I watched for it. I watched for it in their cities to see you know, if there's somebody playing that they really wanted to see, maybe that's a way that we can reward them and we don't have to think about bonuses or that's part of their compensation. Again, that that integration into their life where a lot of times what I've found with the, the bonuses and raises is that that goes to the things it has to. You know, if you get a bonus, you're going to pay down your credit card debt, your student loan debt, your mortgage, whatever it may be. You're going to pay ahead on something. You're going to finally fix the car or the refrigerator. It's all the stuff that weighs you down in life, which isn't going to help you better perform or want to stay at your job or anything like that. And so when you're thinking about these, the, the way of still spending the same amount of money that you would with these other benefits, but thinking about it differently and being able to sort of empower them to live their best life outside of the office, they're going to bring that inside the office. We know you love Title Talks, and did you know that PropLogix produces another show for real estate professionals like you? It's called Four Stories, and it's a weekly show where we share the four biggest stories in real estate that help professionals and lay people alike keep a pulse on what's going on in the industry. If you're interested, listen in by visiting proplogix.com forward slash four dash stories or searching for Four Stories by PropLogix wherever you listen to your podcasts. PropLogix brings you this podcast because we truly want to help. By providing products and services that allow you more time to work on your business rather than just in it. Whether it's title searches, commercial searches, HOA research, and a whole lot more, we take away repetitive and time-consuming work so you can focus on growing your title company. PropLogix. Take some of those closing to-dos off your list and put them on ours. And you guys um, just recently went to a four-day work week. We did. So that's a, that's a huge thing. I know uh, we were talking before and you had mentioned, you know, in the title industry, uh, no one ever thought remote would be possible. But like the beginning of the pandemic kind of showed all of us that, well, maybe what we thought was not possible can be possible. So tell us a little bit about that, because I'm fascinated by the idea of, of a four-day work week and, and the experiment. <laughs> Yeah, we um, we have planned and thought about it for about six months. Um, at the beginning of the year, I said, look, I would really like to get us to a point where we can do a four-day work week. And what would that take? What does it look like? With our biggest consideration being, how would it affect our customers? And um, what we came to see is that we really don't get that much communication on Fridays because serving this industry, everybody's busy. Um, and so... 
we thought about what does that look like? There are basically two different options that we saw when we did a lot of the research that people do with four day work weeks. One is that you can take, you know, one specific day a week off for the entire team, or you let people pick. And pretty quickly on the process, we realized for us, we needed to have one day that was we were off for everyone and we chose Fridays. There are a lot of groups that chose Mondays. My brain, my very traditional business brain cannot <clears throat> imagine not working on Mondays. I feel like that would throw the whole week off, but um, we chose Fridays. And then the other big consideration after that is people have to decide, are you doing four, are you just shortening the week to essentially a 32 hour week? Or are you going to force people into 10 hour days? And we said, look, we treat our staff as adults in everything that we do. And we think that there's a lot of room when you consider all of the sort of one-off conversations, silly stuff, um, the errands that people run, um, in between calls, I'm just gonna go do a little laundry really quick, all of that stuff that is more than fine, and, and it will, things we would do in a traditional office too, hour lunches, you know, whatever it may be, there are probably ways for them to shave two hours a day, Monday through Thursday. So we chose that model of we're a 32-hour work week, um, and we, we made sure that the team was built up to a place where we could handle all the work that we currently have and continue to grow and have this schedule. Um, and we've been doing it for about seven weeks now, and it's gone really well. Um, we set up a system so that our customers feel, feel, still felt supported, um, and that's gone really well. Um, I really expected a lot of conversation with customers and with friends in the industry. And so far, it's been a lot of people like you saying, very curious about this how would it work um when we first told them we told we sort of tested the idea by telling someone on our team and uh it brought tears to her eyes she said i always thought that a place like that would be absolutely amazing to work and i had no idea that i had found it here and i wasn't looking for tears or anything but we knew we were on the right path and we knew that that was another thing that was going to solidify you know somebody may be able to make more money somewhere else or get a really great offer to go to another company for certain work or whatever that may be but we're trying to make some of our other benefits again that aren't dollar signs uh so compelling that it would be really hard to to make a decision to to move to a different work family yeah that's so awesome so let's get back a little bit to you know if you're in a position in your company where you maybe don't have the order volume that you thought you did coming in from the places you thought, um, you know, how do you take the talent that you already have and make sure that um, you keep them busy? Like, what are some ways that people can um, cross train? How do you justify kind of keeping on on talent in your organization? This goes back to that listening piece. So we talked about a little bit ago, I think that a lot of people are always surprised by the talent that they have and so because they just don't know you know somebody gets hired as a, a, a title processor or an escrow officer or an admin assistant and you don't know that in their free time they are you know they're doing the program design for their church every weekend they're doing the video work for the community theater they are um, super technology focused at home they have a whole smart home at their house um, or that person could maybe help you to implement new technology if that's not a, an actual position you have on your team. Um, maybe they are the person that has been um, 
training uh, docents at the museum in your community for years and years and years and didn't realize they have the ability to help train and be an educator on your team. Maybe they're a really compelling trainer that could help your real estate agents or who knows what. Um, to know that that level, I say this all the time, title is so good about training inside our four walls that we often, when we step outside, we're like speaking a different language or we like come out of this UFO where we're like, what, what's happening in the real world? And mm -hmm. all of these people in your office have life outside where they're doing things and they have other skills, most likely, than what they're bringing to their specific role. And so asking those questions to think about what else are you interested in? What else are you good at? That's the first step and to me, figuring out how you're going to cross train and how you're going to keep people on. Because again, over the last two and a half years, people have been building lists of nice to do's is what we call them. This would be nice to do if we had time. Mm -hmm. It'd be nice to do if we had the money. Um, and people have built up enough of their reserves in the last couple of years that they're trying to focus on some of that. They're working through those lists while also thinking about what's happening with the economy and the market. But you know, with that, it's a really good time to think about, okay, well, it would justify us keeping this position if it was also gonna help with a couple of these really special projects. And when you're able to think about that, I think that that helps figure out the rest of who would you keep and how and what are they gonna do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if it was a conversation I had had with you or maybe it was um, Kay Underwood, Zach, who's a, um, a consultant in the industry. But basically, you know, if you I, I identify like, you know, the, the talent on your team, maybe you find out someone in their last job was like really into commercial business. And that's another mm -hmm. line potentially that you could open up, you know, um, if you have that sort of talent. So it's like you just don't know what you have until I guess you you ask, right? Right. You've got to ask, you've got to have those conversations. It's not something that can be easily done through a survey monkey or something like that. Like you've got to really um, peel the onion back and find out more about your team. Because a lot of times, you know, we make sure that they're a good fit for that role and for your organization. But that doesn't mean that they wouldn't be a good fit for a position that you haven't even thought of yet or a position that you yeah. think is is five years down the line, but you've actually got the perfect human with all the skills you need to do it right now. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So um, let's talk a little bit before we wrap up our, our conversation about like, you know, sometimes you just, you don't have a choice. Like, you know, it's like you have, you know, only a certain number of uh, revenue coming in and you need to cut expenses and you kind of arrive to the fact that that you have to downsize. Um, like, what are some things that you can do to help morale if, if that comes around? That's a great question. Um, and uh, I'll give you an example of this that I didn't have when we did our webinar on this with PropLogics. Um, I have tried to be really transparent with our team because as business has shrank for some of our partners, they have wanted to shrink some of their business with Boo Digital, um, which we saw coming. We knew that's part of serving a really niche market. Um, we've been planning for it and it's, it's not a big deal for us, but I was trying to be very honest with our team about, look, we're going to cut some expenses because our revenue is being cut um, at this time. And so how is that going to look? And I, even though I tell people all the time that it's probably good in these situations to over explain, I didn't explain it. I was trying to, to bring them into the fold without getting down into the weeds and the exact thing, the exact thing that I warn about 
uh, happened. And people, I had a couple of our newest staff come to me and say, should I be looking for a new job? You know, based on your conversation today, is that what this means? We were the last ones in, are we the first ones out? Um, and so I tell folks all the time in these situations, um, whether you're in that mode now where you're going to have to potentially trim staff or you think you might be in the next in the coming months, um, you've got to communicate and you've got to explain things to people because if they're sitting around waiting for the other shoe to drop, they're going to create their own story. They're going to have it in their mm -hmm. head. They're going to they're going to be less productive for you, which is even worse in these scenarios. Yeah. They're going to be sitting there applying for jobs and looking for things and just wringing their hands and worrying about this when you could be communicating to them. And then, you know, I think if you are in a situation where you're trimming staff, you just you've got to be upfront and honest with your team about why should they expect more? You know, what what is this really doing? Um, and if you're in a if you're in an organization that's large enough where you're trimming multiple people, that's even more important. But I think it, it stings even more for smaller teams when you have to let one person go and everyone else is like, am I next? What's the plan here? And for a lot of groups, you know, we have a plan. When the when the pandemic happened, we we sat down and created a plan of if the economy doesn't adjust, which thankfully after a week or so it did, but it did you know, quickly, yeah. Right, right. But in that moment, nobody knew. And so we said, look, if if this happens, what is our very specific plan? Because you don't want to have to make emotional decisions because it is business at this point when we're talking about the economics of all of this. And so the more you have a plan and you communicate whatever part of that plan you want to your team, you don't have to outline it to them in detail, but to say you've got a plan in place also helps to know that it's not about um, anything personal. It's not about anything even on, on the revenue that somebody brings in and all that kind of stuff that, that this is what made sense for you for the business. And it gives for owners and managers, it gives you a sigh of relief too, because you don't have to think about it in those high tension moments as it is. You already know if this domino falls, this is the action we're going to take and our team should expect it because we've been outlining this and explaining the process to them along the way. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, it is, it is kind of a tough time. It isn't just kind of, it is a tough time in our industry right now. Things are tough. What as, um, as, as someone who runs his business, you know, really intentionally what are some like some words that you might give to other um title company owners um or people in the industry that might give them i don't know a little hope or a little bit of ending on a little bit of a positive note oh i would say i would say two things here one everything like this goes up and down we all said that the business seems for a lot of folks to have flipped on a dime and to remember that if it can flip one way on a dime, there's an opportunity for it to flip another way. Um, and that a lot of people have to go back to the basics during this time. And so, you know, putting my marketing hat on my, my words of wisdom would be remind people about every little thing that you can help them with. You know, most people, even if you're just a residential shop, you know, you're only focused on residential real estate. If there are things within that really specifically that you can do, any revenue generating, you know, thing that you offer to customers, yes, you would prefer to have an order. You would prefer to have the refis and all of that, I understand. But anything that's revenue generating, be leaning on that and talking to your customers about how you're a partner. You're, you know, you want to be, there for them through this, through the good times, the bad times, whatever that is. 
Um, so definitely remember that. And then also to use all the resources available to you. There are tons of vendors in the industry like PropLogics that have all kinds of podcasts and webinars and eBooks and stuff that are for your benefit. A lot of the underwriters have this stuff. Use this time to elevate your team and not let you know some of these darker conversations cloud all of the good that's going on because it turned quickly and I think that's why this stings so much for people but you know we had two two and a half really really amazing years and even you know what I hear from all of our customers right now is well we're seeing 2019 numbers it's we have short memories in the United States yes. but 2019 numbers were pretty awesome <laughs> so you know, it's just, a, it's a, it's a chapter in our books at the moment and not, you know, the full story. And so I think that's what people have to remember and to do their best to lift their heads out of it as often as they can. Because if you sit there in it, you're just going to, you're going to lose your mind. So that, those are my, my couple pieces of wisdom for folks. I hope that's helpful. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Wayne. That's really insightful. And I really appreciate you taking the time to join me again for this podcast. If you're interested in uh, seeing that webinar that we did earlier this summer, the link will be in the show notes and also information about how you can get in touch with Wayne and his team at Bow Digital will be there as well. Thank you again so much, Wayne. Thanks, Lindsay. Thanks to the whole PropLogics team. We appreciate you guys. To learn more about Wayne and his team at Bow Digital, check out our show notes. This is our last episode of Title Talks for a while, but you can still catch us on our blog at proplogics.com or listen to our weekly news podcast, Four Stories. You can find that wherever you listen to this podcast. From all of us at Proplogics, thank you so much for listening and happy closings. Mm -hmm.